Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Introducing the greatest animated series you've never seen, Lightning Dogs. These canine commandos are lost on a post-apocalyptic Earth and battling the forces of the evil Glampire. <laughs> it's a tribute to the cartoons and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, and Nerdy Show is hell-bent on bringing it to life. Block sold separately. Join us as we document our quest from the moment lightning struck to every world-building session and beyond and make our crazy dream a reality. Roll with the pack at lightningdogs.com. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back again. It is the month of September. Ooh, lordy, this month has been flying on by. This year has been flying on by. All of it's just flying on by. It really just feels like uh, no time has passed, and all of the time has passed. We are back here to discuss pop culture, chit-chat about the things that we're enjoying, and uh, hopefully entertain y'all in the process. I am being joined by Eric. Hello. BJ. We've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> oh. Uh, I would like you to purchase some Shenyun tickets as well. So um, please do that at the Lakeview East Arts Festival here in Chicago. Uh, there was a Shenyun booth at the Lakeview East Arts Festival last weekend. It was kind of crazy. Uh, and I'm also joined by Brian. I would like to see if you're interested in selling the property you have at uh, wherever, whatever address we've made up for you. <laughs> would you like to sell your timeshare at uh, the gardens? Oh, geez. <laughs> I have a feeling that they will not be building that pool anymore. Oh. <laughs> womp womp. So we are gathered to discuss pop culture. We are not going to uh, dilly-dally this month. So let us just go ahead and dive on in. 
BJ, why don't you kick it off with today's first topic? So I have recently managed to ring somebody's password for uh, Paramount Plus out of them. Um, thank you, Zach. And um, they, I uh, have become completely and utterly addicted to Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, I believe that is their first animated series on Paramount Plus. Um, it's currently in the middle of its second season. Uh, and it is about a California-class ship um, with Starfleet. And they mainly specialize in second contact missions where they do follow-ups for all the other big ships. Um, have any of you guys watched it? I have not. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I have not watched it. It's it's interesting. So the animation style is very kind of Rick and Morty-ish, which I think is kind of perfect for it. Um but when I tell you this is this is kind of what uh, Seth, um, what well, not Seth Green, Seth McFarlane, um, Seth McFarlane was wanting to do for um, the Orville, but this is like going into it. It's a it's a workplace comedy about four ensigns, uh, Beckett Mariner. Boimler, which I, I just call him Boimler. I know he has an actual other name, but I, I like his I like his name. Um, uh, Samanthan. Um, um, uh, what is that? Samanthan. It's kind of driving me crazy. Um, Wait, there's somebody named Samanthan? Samanthan. His, his, <laughs> it's so weird. Um Oh, there we go. Samanthan Rutherford um, and uh, Tindy Devana. Um, so it's it follows the four of them, and they're all ensigns. So you've got uh, Boimler and Mariner are command ensigns, so they're red shirts. Um, Tindy is a medical ensign, and Rutherford's engineering ensign. And he's also a cyborg. Um, so when I tell you they take every bit of star trek lore and they it's sprinkled everywhere there was a character in the next generation who carried this weird scan device around all the time i can't even remember his name he was a dj um in one of the episodes um they make all sorts of jokes just about starfleet in general about all the things that don't really make sense they uh prank call the uh, the being, I can't remember his name, but they prank call the weird uh, tar being that killed one of the main characters in Next Generation. Um, yeah, it's, it is absolutely insane. They make fun of Q all the time. I think Q shows up at one point and they're, everybody's just like, no, no, we do not have, we're not an old white guy you could abuse, so go away. Um, it's, it's pretty fantastic. The um, the musical score is one hundred percent like memorable. Um, the uh, the ship's called the S the USS Cerritos, um, and yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. Uh, it's and it's got some uh, good voice uh, actors. It's got um, Jack Quaid who was um, the main character in The Boys. Um, he's Boimler and. We've got um, Eugene Corredo, uh, Cordero, 
who was um he was in Loki as the uh the the desk the the guy that held it the um infinity infinity stones in his desk. It's Pillboy. Uh, <laughs> it's Pillboy. Yes. Pillboy. Yeah, he also played Pillboy uh and he plays Rutherford. Um but yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. There's an episode where somebody be- starts to become a god and they're just like they're like didn't didn't the uh didn't Kirk and Spock deal with this happening? And they're like, yeah, I think they just dropped a boulder on him. And they're like, how does that work? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, it's if if you have pretty much if you loved one Star Trek series, you could hate every single one of them. But if you loved and watched one religiously, you're going to get every single reference that pertains to that one series. Um, and they've had I, I've lost count of how many. Uh, guest spots they've had in there. I know Janeway's popped in there a couple times. Um, Paris, uh, there's a whole episode just about Paris. Um, uh, I'm I'm shocked they haven't been able to get anybody else. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole section on Will Riker and his ship, uh, the Titan. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. So if you have any love. For anything Star Trek, it's definitely worth a watch. I love it. I like I said, I haven't watched it myself. I, I've never been a huge uh, a huge fan, but I've heard so many good things about uh, the series. So, if you have Paramount Plus, then do yourself a favor and go check it out. They they even make a jo- they even make a joke. There's an episode that's kind of set up a little bit like a movie. And they even make the joke that the captain's just like, no, I can't stand it when like you repair a ship and for some reason it looks different. Just make the ship the same as it was before. Um, kind of like how they do in all the movies where somehow they, they get an upgrade to their ship at the beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely a fantastic, very, very meta kind of show. Nice, nice. That is Star Trek Lower Decks, now airing uh, how many seasons? Have they done two seasons now? Uh, so they're in the middle of season two. They they are doing the weekly release on um, on streaming. So um, first se- all the first season's up and all uh, half the second season's up. Also, um, I have been kind of fiddling around with uh, Paramount Plus lately, and they have a really good... Um, Part of the UI when you're on a show page, there's an extra section and the extra section will actually have like stuff that's normally on the DVD release, like commentary, interviews with the cast. Um, There's an entire section on Easter eggs and I'm about seven episodes deep into that (laughs) to get all the little bits and pieces that I don't notice because all I watched was Next Generation and Voyager. So um, it's nice to to kind of figure out just how many Easter eggs are floating around. Sweet. So go check that out. Paramount plus season one, half of season two, catch yourself up and get ready for new episodes. All right, let's throw it to Brian for our next topic. So I, uh, got to watch why the last man, at least the first episode, uh, I was actually visiting Pat this weekend and uh, it was a lovely rainy night in Chicago, rainy-ish. And the world is an absolute shit show right now, so why not <laughs> Why not watch an uplifting drama 
about the end of the world, or at least for for the people who are unlucky enough to have that Y chromosome. Uh, so you're not familiar with Why the Last Man. It is a comic book from Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, I will dig up the artist here shortly. I can't believe I forgot. Uh, I read this comic back in the 2000s, late 2000s, late aughts. Um, and I think I made it fairly far in. It's It's been a bit... Oh, Pia Guerra, of course. God, her art style is very unique, too. Uh, and so, like, I remember very broad strokes about this. I remember that there was this guy, Yorick, with a monkey... And he was walking around the the sort of apocalyptic landscape, post-apocalyptic, I guess, landscape, trying to figure out why he was the last man. Um, and what is remarkable about the comic by Brian K. Vaughan is that at the time it came out, it was one of the strongest, most women-centric comic that was popular in the sort of non-superhero whatever you know and even among the rest it was still kind of outstanding for that because obviously in a world where pretty much all the men have died or all the people with y chromosomes i should say have died uh, you're not going to have as many uh you know women out there walking around so uh you folk i'm sorry men so you're focusing on all the women out there basically running the world now for better or for worse and in both cases the thing is, the comic, from what I remember, drops you right into the world as it is with York and having his adventures. And this pilot, which, you know, leads into the series, did that as well, except that only for about five minutes. And then you're back at like pre-apocalypse. Uh, and God damn it, it was so depressing. <laughs> See, when it comes to like apocalyptic things like that. I want like where where either everybody dies, like one gender dies, or like all the animals die. I want to see it happen. I don't know. Maybe it's just this kind of macabre thing that I have. But when the trailer dropped and they actually showed little bits and pieces of like all the men just like erupting in blood and falling over, I'm like, I want to see this. I want like I literally just looked up that scene. Well, to, to the show's that. credits. They earn it because they make you go through little vignettes of these men. And they're not all, in fact, I think it's maybe one or two men that are like sympathetic. But either way, the first image you get of like the shit really hitting the fan is a dog. At any time you're going to pull that shit on me. Oh, man, you've got a problem here. We've got issues because you don't break my heart, uh, you know, mid mid episode and expect me to be like you know uh into it so i i admit uh i was uh i was having an issue with this first episode not to say the fact that the the world is crappy and uh, the people are dying um uh all over I mean, it's just I, okay so let's let's contrast this a little bit i watched sweet tooth on netflix sweet tooth is very similar in a lot of ways and that it starts with sort of a plague where people are dying not all not not just men but you know everybody but the show has a joy in it that bleeds through the main character, Sweet Tooth, Gus, but also the loving like, kind of relationships that he finds himself like, like, you know, with uh, Shep and with um, yeah, anyway, that was really I could handle that. I, I, that was uplifting in, in a dark world sort of way, even though it's still some bad stuff that happens. This so far is just absolute torture porn. And I know I only watched the first episode and by the second and third, hopefully the uh, adventure part kicks in the call to action has happened and we're actually off to the something, but I God, it was hard. It was really hard. Uh, 
I will say though, uh, having read what's coming and sort of knowing how they've changed things, it's really cool. The focus is definitely going to be on the women in this show. York obviously is a part of the cast and is is a is sort of a central character. But I don't think it's just. In fact, I know it's not just York. It's it's really going to focus on all of the amazing women out there. Um, you know, fighting in the world that they're in. Uh, I'm especially excited for the fact that in in the comics. The uh, trans representation was sort of there ish because, you know, Yorick, I think at certain points kind of says, oh, you know, because he's like, why are people are like, why are you out there? Why, why are you alive? Nobody knows. It's a mystery of the show, but or of the comic. But, you know, I think one of the things he's, oh, I'm trans. And so that that gets, gets him a pass. But in that sense, that was it. It wasn't really a trans representation in the show. Wait, we're is that actually, the twist of it? Did you just spoil the whole show for me? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I remember seeing the comic book, but I never read it. No, no, no. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's, that's not the, that's not the twist. However, what the show is doing is updating certain things and making them a little better and well-rounded. And so we actually are getting a trans character, a trans man character in this, uh, in this series that was not in the comic book. So that is really uh, good. I mean, obviously we want representation. It's by an out trans actor, Elliot Fletcher. Uh, so very excited for that element of the show, uh, the politics and sort of world building. I think they're keeping most of it the same. I think they've stepped away from the Israel part because, uh, for whatever reason in the comics, there's a lot of stuff about Israel in in a weird way. So I think they're kind of leaving that aside just for, you know, let's not, you know, poke. It did did get mentioned though in the, in the first episode, there is, that's where the distress signal started from. And that, that was when all the shit hit the fan. That was uh, like the, the impetus for it was um, the president saying, I think it was the president. One of the, they were in that like big cabinet meeting and he said there was Dr. a distress Strange signal. Love scene. Yeah. Yeah. There was a distress signal that came from Israel and they were like, well, nobody's responding. Like nobody in the entire country is Israel. And then everybody started dying. So in the comics, Israel basically takes advantage of the fact that a lot of their armed services are women. Um, and then they just decide, decide to take over the Middle East. <laughs> so I think they're not going to, I mean, I could be wrong. God, I could be way wrong on this. Uh, it would be interesting to see. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a whole thing. There's also a secret agent from Israel that gets involved. And I think is actually sort of a, a bad person, like a bad character. You know, uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't know what they're doing with all that. Uh, there is some great uh, Diane Lane. Anytime she shows up, she's great. And she plays, I believe, the wife of the president, who then I think because of this and that becomes president um, in, in later on. And she's got connections in with the main character, uh, uh, Yorick, and his sister, who I don't know that they did a great job of connecting. Maybe they did and I missed it. Uh, the sister gets a great scene by hooking up. She's a paramedic and she's hooking up with a paramedic in, the, in an ambulance. And then uh, things, bad things happen. It's, it's, a, it's a bad it's a bad night for everyone. Let's just say. Oh, um, I don't that's know. his sister. I was having yeah. such trouble following along with who these people were in the first episode. It's not clear. And I think that's somewhat by design because I don't even think you meet the sister until way later. Well, um, she's in, isn't she the one that was she the one that was in the like the support group meeting? Because he borrowed money from her oh, you to know buy what? the cheese. I think you're right. I think that's, yeah, that might have been the part that yeah, I certainly was like, eh, whatever. I, yeah, again, they did I, so much world building that it was really tough to follow along in that, like, that for, it was like an hour and five minutes worth of TV. 
it was a lot to try to digest and figure out what was going on. Too much. I would dare say too much. Um, I am going to keep up with this because I do like the world and I do like Brian K. Vaughn in general. And I like, I want to see what they do with it, but just be warned that there's a lot in this and that it can be a little confusing. Let's just say Uh, I was trying to find out who actually, Oh, Liza Clark is a woman who adapted it and she's done uh, extant and animal kingdom. So I don't know if she's got the biggest track record here uh, for show running and writing and all that. So it'll be interesting to see if it, if it, if it starts to strengthen and uh, if it makes it. Animal Kingdom's pretty fantastic. Like it's, it? uh, yeah, it's. I think it's on its like fourth or fifth season. Oh, okay. Um, so it's and it's got some fantastic writing. It's just from I think I've watched like the first. It's 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 more that's a crime drama, and I'm really weird about crime dramas that like organized crime and stuff. So sometimes I get a hankering to watch it. So it's one of those things I just kind of dive in and out of. But no, Animal Kingdom's really, 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 really good. It's, okay, it's I pretty just fantastic. Hadn't watched it. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall it's, it's, if you're, if you're not getting enough apocalypse in your day-to-day life, I think that watching why the last man is, 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 is good for that. And it's great for trans representation and it's great for a really strong, all female or 99% female cast. Uh, now that all the men are dead, uh, other than Yorick and Yorick's also a little kind of weird. He's like a little more ineffectual. Someone was saying he's like a, a 2020s, uh, very, very 2020s, uh, Gen Y, uh, or dope. Gen Z. I always get the gens confused. Uh, not millennial. What's the what's the not millennial Gen Z, right? I, yeah, I guess so. I feel like he's too old for Gen Z. But it, I'm always so I, I never know where the generations end. Yeah, he's he's a, a little more modern and kind of can't get his shit together. I mean, I, that's probably a lot of us these days, but, you know. Uh, than he was in the comic. Um, but the monkey's cute. His little monkey pal is, uh, is you know, always that was kind of cute to have monkey in there. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. I really wish I had a stronger endorsement for this. <laughs> Pat, did you like it, I, Pat? I don't know. We were both kind of like just, uh, what? <laughs> no, I mean, I was more into it than you were. I would have been fine watching, watching more of it in a row. Maybe that's just because I'm dead inside it by this point. And uh, I was kind of intrigued i think it was more because of the fact that i wasn't 100 percent on like where everything was um you know the infiltrating assassinish lady that went from blowing up the the terrorists to then being at you know by the president when everything went down to then like the second episode kicks off with her going to i'm assuming kind of a headquarters ish area for whoever she works for and wanting to kind of figure out what was going on, I think was what was intriguing me to continue watching into the second episode. But I do want to keep up with it. I did not read the book or the comics when they came out. I remember the covers. I remember that, you know, the, the Y logo is very prominent on the cover of the books. So I remember seeing them at a comic shop. I remember seeing them, you know, all around. But I don't really know the story whatsoever. So to see it play out, I was just confused as to why the hell he had a monkey. I'm still really kind of confused as to why he has a monkey. He's a magician. Um, I think he's a magician. Yeah. Magicians don't have monkeys. He does. 
I don't like that. Did a, that didn't answer comic a books. question. It just gave me more questions. I, I, it is, it is a. I think it's almost like a comic book trope because monkeys, apes, whatever. It's a big part of comics for some reason. I don't know. They're easy to draw. People like them. Whatever it is. Uh, I, I don't know if that's why Vaughn put him in there, but I feel like there's a little bit of that. But uh, I, I don't even remember what happens. Honestly, they could kill the monkey off uh, relatively quickly. I don't remember, but I don't remember that vividly. So I think the monkey is going to be around for a while. I mean, it's very Planet of the Apes like feel to me, like, you know, post apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> we want to give a little LaShawn Beyond uh, tribute right there. Um, like it was giving me a lot of that, but I I thought it was good. I was having a tough time keeping up with everything, but I would like to see where it goes and see how the story unfolds. Did anybody else catch any of Why the Last Man on FX or FX on Hulu? No, I'm uh, I'm I'm waiting for a couple more episodes to drop, and then I can. I can have my I can have my apocalypse sadness binge. Well, I think they dropped three on the first night. They pulled a um, a Titans and said, "Hey, here's the first couple of episodes," which was probably good because it is a lot to pack into an episode. And if you were just to drop that first one and then wait a week, it probably would have been a lot tougher for people to want to stick around and find out what's going on especially if you're like me and you haven't read the book um so for them to drop episodes one two and three giving you about three hours of television without commercials to get enraptured by the world i think was a smart move i believe it's a sunday night or a monday night television show on fx uh hulu and my lack of live uh cable has really thrown me off as to when shows are on television. But I think uh, we're about to have the fourth episode drop. So it's uh, it's a good chunk has, has come out already. But then, you know, then you'll get dropped into that once every, every week type of uh, episode pattern from there. So I am going to continue to watch more. I have not had a chance to watch more this weekend. Um, but I know I will definitely be be checking out more of Why the Last Man from FX and also on FX on Hulu. All right, let's throw it over to Eric. What you got for us, Eric? So even though this movie has an entire scene devoted to how to pronounce the main character's name, I'm probably still not going to say it correctly, but this is shang chi you got it okay yeah marvel's new movie um sean sean chi sean chi so you just took the g off your name (laughs) (laughs) that i love that whole scene like wait so you got sean from shang chi no wonder your father found you (laughs) (laughs) So this is the 25th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, based on the Marvel character of the same name starring Simu Liu. Simu Liu? How do you say? Anybody know how to say Liu. his last name? Simu Liu. Simu Liu. As the titular Shang-Chi. 
Um, starting alongside Aquafina, Menghar Zhang, Fala Chen. Uh, I'm really glad you took this topic because I would not <laughs> like you get to butcher all the names this time. Normally, I do it. <laughs> other names: uh, Benedict Wong, uh, Michelle Yao, uh, Tony Loing, and Ben Kingsley. Spoiler alert. Um, oh, yeah. And it follows Hashtag justice for Mandarin. <laughs> and orange is everywhere. And orange. <laughs> Um, so it just follows the character as he starts, um, where are they? San Francisco? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're in San Francisco. Oh, but you, but you can't, you can't forget Florian, uh, Monteneu, um, daddy, who played Razor Fist. You can't forget Razor Fist. You want to get Razor Fisted? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You, on, you know what's funny though is like as hot as he is and I again I have to I don't know if it's mainly I don't know if it's because I just have a fetish for like the most toxic of men but like um, I mean yes <laughs> uh, Zhu Wen Wu the main villain um, by the by the end of the movie I was like no daddy of the 10 rings come back like (laughs) i I don't know what it is about about toxic bruisers punching the shit out of everyone including their family but i'm like yeah no he can i was like he he beat out razor fist by by a by a a slim margin no when razor fist stood up in that bus (laughs) i was like slap me around with that no hand We want him to have a paddle attachment. <laughs> I mean, that sword technically could work. Oh. Just got to be very careful with it. <laughs> Back to you, Eric. <laughs> so, uh, Sean has been living in um, San Francisco uh, since age 14. And he's currently a valet uh, with his best friend, Katie, um, who um, is, sorry, I've got no train of thought today. Uh... <laughs> you were about, you were thinking about Razor Fist and <laughs> Shang-Chi in the fight scene without a shirt on. There's a lot of eye candy for, for this movie. There certainly yes. is. Um, but all of a sudden they're riding the bus to work and thugs pop out of nowhere to steal his necklace. Ooh. Um, and there's an amazing fight. All the fights in this movie are fantastic. Bravo to whoever did the fight choreography. Seriously. Um, that wasn't even like, even if you go back before that scene, uh, to the Marvel's version of, uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon in the forest between, uh, <laughs> his father and his mother. Oh yeah. That choreography was breathtaking. I, I, that, uh, yeah, that whole, that whole scene like was just fucking art. Like I, I could, I, I could not get over it. And the best part is, so one of the things in the fight choreography is they pay, um, 
they pay tribute to Jackie Chan um, in a couple of fight scenes. And only because I've watched way too many Jackie Chan movies that I pick up on them. The When they're fighting in the scaffolding, uh, there's tons, like the whole pushing somebody over and then walking across them real quick. That is like a Jackie Chan like move uh, where he when he was grabbing people on the bus to keep them from falling out in the middle of fighting. Like that was definitely something that's been in a Jackie Chan movie. Hell, I think there was a couple of things in um, uh, I think Rush Hour. There were there were a bunch of references to Rush Hour. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it, honestly I don't I think out of all the Marvel properties, I think this probably had the best fight choreography of anything in um in recently. Which kind of makes sense because usually martial art fighting is more interesting than just kind of fistic general fisticuffs. Yeah. And and there really weren't um apart from the rings and that laser blade fist <laughs> weapon that I mean for most of it, there weren't really weapons, like high-powered weapons. All yeah, of Thor's were, hammer yeah. or Iron Man or the shield. Yeah, I I like I I love the use of like the the more traditional, um, like uh, um, like the uh, the the dagger chain that his sister used. I fucking love that. I, whenever I play a fighting game, any character that has like some sort of chain sword or something like that, they're my first pick automatically. I could suck with them, but I always pick them first. Uh, Wait so a minute, was... you mean you mean like uh, when when this turned into Marvel's Mortal Kombat, yes. Sub Zero Origin <laughs> or Scorpion Origins? <laughs> I was like, I've seen this scene before. Actually, and something that I really like is that they're they're leaning. I guess because of the well, I, I want to say it's because of all the well reception from all their weirder stuff they've been doing lately. They're leaning more into this sort of like metaphysical, like uh, different realms. The whole idea of like some sort of demon thing tricking his father. Uh, are you I hope you're listening, Wanda? Um, mm. The the whole like bait and switch with uh, dimensional creatures and stuff like that. I, I really like that they're, they just, they could have tried to base it a little bit more, I guess in reality, but I love that they just went for it and they're just like, they're, they're in a realm, they're in a different dimension that's guarding against another different dimension. And I'm like, perfect. This is exactly what I want right here. The, the Pokemon dimension, because, uh, <laughs> Volpix and Ninetales are now MCU canon. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, I was fine with that. Yes, I want one. Of, I want one of those guardian uh, lion dogs in the worst way. Oh my god, the food dogs! Yeah, I didn't even realize that when this. I didn't realize it was a second one because they just focused on that first one, and then all of a sudden there was a second food dog, and I was like, oh, all right. And then the little pig bird, like what did what did they call it? it was like a. a Pig bird, pig. It looked like a pig butterfly. Oh, you mean the creepy fucking thing with that didn't have a face? <laughs> it's, He's very it's sensitive a, about that. It's called, it's called a Hunden. Absolutely H-E-N-D-U-N. not. I was but, I was sitting in the theater when that thing came out of the shadows. I made the same noise that Katie and Chung Chi made. Him, ah, like what the fuck is it's, that? It's a it's a fuzzy little ottoman with feet and uh, fairy wings. Oh. 
things with no face not having a face name things and with na- no f- named morris <laughs> things with no face that like make noises disturb me and i think that's probably because i played a video game that had these headless dudes running at me with bombs strapped to them screaming yet they had no head i think that's just kind of scarred me because the moment that thing came out of the shadows i'm just staring at it like don't touch it i don't know what that is no <laughs> it was the most adorable thing in this movie though no the the nine tails were i mean well true Those and the fact that they were alolan vulpix and nine tails made it even better <laughs> But anyway, back to Eric's train of thought. <laughs> we keep derailing. Sorry, Eric. That's okay. Um, I don't know how much we need to actually go through each plot point, um, but ultimately the story leads them to Tilao, which is where all the mystical creatures are, um, and they have to ultimately they're trying to prevent uh, Shang Chi's uh, father from opening the door. To where the dweller in darkness lies, uh, which is a soul-eating creature. And spoiler alert: they fail um, <laughs> miserably. <laughs> Not even a little bit, just miserably. Yeah. So I don't know. Kind of that last fight. I didn't need them to release the giant demon soul sucking dweller in darkness i didn't need that but i guess it was cool because that way um he ultimately got to figure out how to use um the rings well and i thought that this was going to be a movie from marvel that actually broke the whole same versus same boss battle which i mean i guess it kind of did because it wasn't the boss battle there was another battle afterwards but a third act, same versus same, always happens in Marvel movies and has been something that has been a constant criticism. And I thought, there, like, you can't. There's no way that this could be, you know, it's more of a, a yin and yang, kind of a, a, a two different mindsets fighting each other. And then Shang-Chi got five of the rings. And I was like, God damn it. Now it's same versus same. And when he and his dad just start fighting each other with the rings, I was like, okay, guess this movie couldn't avoid the trope either. I mean, mean, again, though, I mean, again, though, the fight choreography used those rings very well. And it was great. A multitude of different ways. Yeah. Uh And and I love, I love the difference to how Shang-Chi kind of incorporates the rings because his father, it seemed like his father was more or less using them as kind of like, augmentation of his like physical strikes where Shang-Chi start when he started implementing more of his mother's techniques and everything like at one point one of the rings shoots out and he used it as a foothold and I was like oh that's that's a good that's neat like um so it's but also like when you think if if you're gonna have a kung fu movie that is a trope of a kung fu movie like the you always have a showdown between the two people that have clashing ideals. I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon had like five different showdowns of people like that. But it's in something that's that's pushing more for a traditional feel, especially for, um, uh, especially for a martial arts movie. That's unavoidable. That's one hundred percent unavoidable. But but the emotional impact it had was phenomenal. Like the the whole the whole thing where 
you really don't see his dad as a bad person. You see his father more as like a, like, yes, he's going about the shit all the wrong way. But at the same time, this dude's fucking grieving. And if there's one thing immortal assholes are bad at, it's the fucking grieving process. Now that's a trope that I'm a little bit tired of is like, I'm immortal and my wife died. Therefore, now I have to do something terrible. Um, I have to do something stupid other than going to therapy. Um, so that, that, that gets a little old, but I love the emotional impact and the fact that he didn't like deliver like a final blow to his father, that he just was kind of like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. This is, this is no. Um, and also a thing that I really like that they turned on their head is when he lied to Katie and said that he didn't kill the, the guy that killed it, that was responsible for his mother's death. Like he's like, oh no, I did. I I, compl- I completely killed him. Which that's <laughs> definitely different for a Marvel hero to, yeah, have done that in his past. Yeah, to 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 just admit that no, like no, I did the wrong thing, and that's what he actually somewhat ran from is that that moment that was probably in his dad's eyes was supposed to give him closure, didn't. And he had he had kind of the opposite reaction of his father. He ran away and, and started a different life where his father just kind of like buried himself into his research, you know, to until something terrible reached out to him. So it's uh it's interesting. And, and the uh, the post credit scenes were actually pretty good too. My first my first post COVID Marvel post credit scenes in a movie theater. So before we get into those, let's talk Katie. So I don't know about you all, but I really hope they do not try to pair them up romantically. Definitely they, not. I hope. Oh they, yeah. I hope they, they stay platonic. Absolutely. They started. They gave her an arc, unlike most other comic relief buddy. Um, partner like compatriot type of of character think back to like darcy you know darcy was like the companion of the companion at that point but we've seen her get more agency in wandavision up until covid you know made filming difficult and her finale storyline was just her probably on a different uh stage at a green screen driving a truck into um uh hayward hayward <laughs> Haywood? Yeah, Haywood. Haywood. Whatever. Jay from Drop Dead Diva. Uh, Haywood. <laughs> but the path that they put Katie on and her findings a bit of faith in herself in, you know, doing the archery and then firing the arrow into the the Soul Eater's neck in the, the big climactic battle. All of that pushed her to grow and believe in herself and, and, and develop as a person and as a character. And I feel like if they were to try to go down that path, it would just cheapen the whole relationship. You know, you can have that platonic relationship where you care so much about that other person that they're, you know, they're your best friend and not have it be like, Hey, we need to kiss now after we've gone through like this traumatic thing, <clears throat> Ray and uh, Kylo. Um, <laughs> you know, just just 
one of those things that I I appreciated it for what it was. And I hope that's the path they continue on in the rest of their adventures in the MCU. That's my take. Yeah, I I see her more of like the Bucky Barnes to Shang-Chi's Steve Rogers. Um, Even though I would like to see Steve Rogers kiss Bucky Barnes once in a while. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's with Sam now. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> but you no, know, you you guys you guys hit the nail on the head. And the thing that I absolutely love the most is that it, they had the best chemistry before everything, all the shit hit the fan. Like that that was the thing is the whole thing where they they went through work and he's just like, yeah, we should probably go to bed since we have an early shift. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Or or <laughs> that that right there made me absolutely love them as a duo. And and it, it definitely called attention to the whole thing where you had uh there was there was like the i can't even remember her name um dr strange had like had had like a female not really love interest but like a friend but she was she she like the movie didn't really even need her at one point and then christine yeah christine that was that was a love interest that was his love interest was she yeah Yeah. Yeah. did you not Uh, watch that what if (laughs) I mean, the, no, the what if episode did her justice and they killed her. So let's be clear. <laughs> like, but then you have, you have, um, but you have other, you have Pepper Potts who was, who did help drive the plot, but eventually love interest. Like all these, all these female characters that have all this potential to help the story and drive the story and uplift everything else in the movie and then you have Shang-Chi that just completely it does a fantastic job with all of them. Cause you've got not you don't just have Katie, you've got his uh his sister, you've got his mother, and you have all these different female archetypes, but they fill out the character so well that it's 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 just so good and i love i even love the fact that when katie meets his sister meets his sister his sister just got done beating the ever-living hell out of him and the and katie's like wait so at the age of like 14 you left home and created a criminal empire and she's like yeah she's she's just like she's like i'm if if, if one's not going to be given to me i might as well make one and she's like Badass, and I'm like, and then the Katie, and then the sister, and then the sister is like, "I like your pants." Yeah, like they totally have a bonding moment. And I, I, I love all the of first their bonding moments. Past the Bechdel test, exactly. Yes. They talked about <laughs> exactly. criminal underworlds and pants rather than men. Yeah, and I and I love the whole thing where you have the sister who filled out that trope that usually happens in kung fu movies, where the the daughter or the sister. It, the younger female is underestimated in what she can accomplish and what she can do. Um, and she just fills out that role so well. I mean, and then the, then the icing on the, the, the women, the women trifecta or the, all the women characters, you got Michelle Yeoh who just like glides in with her sage adv- auntie advice. And I'm just like everything. I, I actually, my only complaint about the movie is that I didn't get enough Michelle Yeoh. I wanted more. I wanted more with Michelle Yeoh. I don't disagree with you there. I don't disagree with you. Um, so post credit scenes. First one sets up uh, more Marvel Phase 4 and Phase 
five. Any guesses on what that homing beacon was that the Ten Rings are giving off? I have no idea. Like, because they completely changed what the Ten Rings were in the original comic. Um, I mean, they could still technically um, have them be like some sort of alien devices. But the fact that Carol's like, I don't know what the hell those are. Like, Carol's just like, I have no idea what the hell those are. Uh, and then it's like, hey, call me. And then, and he's just like, I don't know why she says that. I, I don't have her number. Um, I, I, I feel like because, I mean, the supposed villain or main villain of the overarching phase four is going to be Kang. It might be one of the Kangs brought the rings back in time. And they were left there, and they belonged to Kang somehow. Um, oh, well, I think honestly, I think that it might be. Um, it could just be some tech that the Eternals left that they lost track of. Um, because I know the next movie coming out is the Eternals, and um, they did say that the Eternals are over thousands of years old, and and the rings are over thousands of years old. So we might get a little bit of insight into what they are just when they i'm sure they're going to do like a big montage of all the things they did like during like the bronze age and everything uh with the eternals so i'm sure that they might show up then and we'll have a better idea of what they are um also uh i don't think kang's actually the overarching villain of all of phase four uh so kevin feige he mentioned along a while ago in whatever big marvel movie expo they did that um they're going to do more smaller arcs and from what it seems like wandavision loki uh spider-man no way home and doctor strange 2 uh those are more of a self-contained arc and then we've got black widow uh, i think black widow hawkeye um falcon uh, falcon and the winter soldier captain america 4 and I'm not sure there's another there's another movie in there somewhere. Those are like kind of like a um, what is that uh, more kind of like a uh, that's going to be like an espionage arc, um, which I think the other post credit scene is going to have something to do with as well. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, they, they need to figure out ways to make it sustainable for them, especially coming out of 2020 uh, and seeing how plans can be changed and interrupted in such a way you know they were very fortunate for the better part of a decade or over a decade to not really have any snags and snafus but it'll be nice to kind of see it broken up a little bit more and i mean honestly it it took them a while before they really got into these long long plans so i wouldn't mind seeing a couple of mini you know phases within each of their phases so I also am not 100% sure. I know I could look it up, um, but I'd rather people just yell at their podcast listening devices. I'm not 100% sure where this falls in the timeline of everything. They are a bit ambiguous now with uh, just saying present day versus giving years because of the blip and the time jumps. Um, I know this is obviously post uh, Tony Stark snap back. Because they're, if I'm not mistaken, there was something, there were posters up on one of the walls and it was like 
blip blip ants or something like that they were like it was like a promotional for some show or something like that on one of the walls i remember seeing something that was like blip something so we know that it's post end game but where it falls in line with everything else is is a little bit uh more vague as as far as uh the greater mcu so we have that, and then the second post-credit scene shows uh, his sister, who I don't believe. I was reading a little bit up on this. I don't think he has a sister with this same name in the comics, but I believe she is an amalgam of two of his sisters from the comics, and she is kind of the stand-in where one of the sisters did take over as head of the Ten Rings and uh, built it back up because one of the things that Feige and the Marvel team made sure to point out is they were doing a lot to go away from the racist tropes of Shang-Chi's comics origins. His father, who originally was Fu Manchu in the comics, hasn't been for a while, and uh, they made sure to avoid that. They did a lot of... uh, explanation i guess for iron man 3 and ben kingsley as the mandarin and uh kind of really i think did a great job in that scene where his father was talking about you know names having importance and uh having reverence for those who came before them so it'll be interesting to see what his sister does with uh the ten rings also which is the uh, is it Street Fighter? Those hooks that they were using, the, the Ten Rings, I kept getting Street Fighter. Am I wrong, BJ? You would probably be the one best to know. I, I keep I kept wanting to um, say Baraka, but... No, um, uh, there's a character that uses those hooks in Mortal Kombat. Oh, it's Mortal uh, Kombat. I, okay. Yeah, it's Mortal Kombat. I think his name's Cabal. Oh, yes. 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 It was Cabal. Yeah, you're 100% right. Or as I like to say, Kato's uh, ex-boyfriend. Oh, that's right. Oh, Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, those, the hooks, and then um, not even just the hooks, but the actual, like, where they were holding them, that, that like, piece that protruded off from the, the hand grips looked exactly like uh, Cabal's hooks in some of the games. The pictures I'm looking at right now don't do it justice, but I knew I had seen them before, and I was like, "This is uh, this is giving me lots of Mortal Kombat vibes right now." I wasn't mad about it; I just uh, wanted to point that out. So, but yeah, so that that post credit scene though, which is interesting because uh, I was going to say since Black Widow, uh, spoiler for the Black Widow movie, but the Black Widow in the Black Widow movie. Um, Natasha manages to successfully destroy the Red Room and her mother runs off with all of the the now unbrainwashed uh, widows. So you've got so you now have a whole contingent of widows running around doing who knows what. And now you have a uh, the Ten Rings being revitalized and uh, taking over or or coming back because his father kind of took a break with them as far as like all their old shenanigans. 
but she not only does she control one one criminal network uh, in China, but now she c- controls a worldwide criminal network that she is now upgrading and bringing into the you know the 21st century with uh, with it looks like she was training a lot of female assassins as well. Um, she so updated I feel like it with graffiti. She did. She did upgrade it. The, it needed some color. That but that gray ass building that needed some fucking color. I'd I'd have PTSD like <laughs> her and her brother if I had to live in just a gray room my entire life. So, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited. And they, I was gonna say they ended that with the line that says the Ten Rings will return. So whether that be in a, a second Shang Chi movie or popping up in one of the other uh, um, properties, we shall see. Yeah, I have a funny feeling it'll it'll permeate into more than um, just another Shang Chi movie. I, I think it'll be a a an organization that, for lack of a better term, infiltrates other properties that tie into Shang Chi, and we'll see more of of them throughout the MCU that way. Because it's it's not often that you get a blank will re, you know will return title card at the end of a movie they've only done it a handful of times for certain characters in certain films and it's usually the character not the like an organization so i think for them to do it at the end of this movie means that it will be something that will will be a factor in the mcu going forward so eric since this was your topic let's start with you for flame ratings um, I'd give it uh four and a half out of five flames. Nice. BJ, what about you? Five out of five. Nice. I I'm I'm torn. I I I'll give it a four and a half. I'll give it a four and a half. It was a very entertaining movie. Um Aquafina, I'm not always a a huge fan of. Um she is a very uh she's very boisterous <laughs> i'm trying to <laughs> trying to pick a word that's not that doesn't sound demeaning because it's not that i don't think that she is funny or or uh she does well i've seen some movies where like she has a, a does a very you know has funny moments but does a very serious role and she's been fantastic but overall, when she's being over the top, I, it's not necessarily my jam. But I thought she did brought a lot to this movie, and I thought that it was great. Uh, Simu Liu was great. Although, if he's only supposed to be like 24, he does not look 24. Because like they're, they're saying that he left, uh, he was put on a helicopter at 14, and it's been 10 years that puts him at 24 and he just definitely does not pull off 24, maybe 32, but you know, still looking damn good. Uh, so overall I'd say four and a half there. All right, dear listeners, we hope that you are enjoying this and all the other episodes of flame on that we put out for you. If you have not done so, go and check out our website at flameonshow.com. From there, you can not only find all of our social media, you can also find our YouTube page, check out the Rainbow Spotlight interviews that we've done there. You can check out our Threadless shop, pick up your very own Flame on Swag. You can also check out our Twitch channels and 
our Patreon page. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show if you want to just go there directly and check out our four uh, platforms or check out our four levels of pledges there and join at any one that you feel uh, that you want to to help support our show and keep us doing what we do and pumping out these podcasts for you. One more time, our website is flameonshow.com and our Patreon is at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, real quick before I get into the final uh, topic of the month, I think we'd be remiss. Uh, I have not listened to it. But I know that uh, podcast fave Lil Nas X was pregnant, um, did a whole pregnancy photo shoot, did all of that. And I've heard that he delivered his baby this week. Baby Montero uh, came into the world. He even did a uh, dropped a YouTube video. It was like a 10 minute video of the Montero show where he was the host and the guest and all of that. I, I'm not necessarily, I'm not the target market for Lil Nas X's music, uh, to some extent, uh, mostly because I'm a crotchety old white man, but (laughs) I appreciate the fact that, uh, someone who is black and gay and dabbled in country and in rap and is just doing things on his own own timetable and of his own accord and just being a the bitch he wants to be in this world and i can appreciate that and i applaud that for the younger generation and it makes me very happy to see that there is somebody out there that is not afraid to be themselves in the mainstream eye um bj i'm gonna throw it over to you have you listened to montero Oh, like six times. Um, <laughs> I had the I had the drive to Vero uh, for work today, and I pretty much listened to the entire album at least almost twice on the way there and back. Uh, it's and it's pretty good. There's so if if um, hip hop and rap are not your thing, there's actually a couple of really sweet songs. Um, he experiments with a bunch of different sounds. Um, I I feel like he's gonna he's gonna develop the what I like to call black IP syndrome, where his his actual his, his good songs are released on the radio, but his better songs are the ones that are not released on the radio. 
Um, so he's got some, he's got some really good tracks on there. Um, what I want, um, is probably my favorite track of the whole album next to industry baby. Um, and yeah, no. So it's, it's up on Spotify, iTunes, all your streaming services. Definitely. Um, uh, give just kind of cycle through the album a little bit. You'll probably find at least one song on there that, uh, that uh, gives you the, if it doesn't give you the feels, it'll definitely uh, get your ass up out of the seat for a little bit. I saw he has a duet with Elton John and yes. I've got, I'm like, at this point, Elton John is just duetting with everybody and anybody. And I, I'm not mad about it, but I mean, like one of his other big um, collaborations within the last year was uh, Gaga on Chromatica. And then I saw the track listing for Montero and I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm not mad at this bitch for staying relevant and getting with the uh, the musicians that the young kids are are jamming out to these days. So good on them. Well, and and that's the thing about Elton John. Elton John will align himself with people that because when Elton John first came first came out, he had the giant outfits. I think I've rewatched his episode of The Muppet Show more times than anything else in my life. Um, but Elton John was started out the same way as Gaga and and Lil Nas X because they like Gaga came out. It was her crazy outfits. She all of the fashion, all that stuff she had designed for her that like definitely drew the eye. And then you heard her voice and you're like, Oh, okay. She's got bars. Um, Lil Nas X, same thing. He, he like old, his outfit in old, old, uh, old town road. I, I, uh, I love it. The pink cowboy outfit, but like, no, same thing. He's, he's kind of, he'll troll you six ways past Sunday, but at the end of the day, everybody's talking about him. Everybody's talking about what he's wearing. Everybody's talking about his, um, everybody's talking about his costumes for each video. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, um, I can totally, it's, it was surprising, but it definitely makes sense, uh, that Elton would hop on and support, support his community like that so i love it oh absolutely and and i think his outfits are less outrageous now but he still is all about the glitz and the the glamour of the performing outfits so i i i definitely can see where the tie is for for both gaga and for uh lil nas so it's uh yeah I, I might have to check that out for sure I just I, it's not even so much a rap and R&B thing like I I was very much into um, rap and R&B back 99 2000 <laughs> but I just kind of uh I don't know it's been one of those things I have kind of steered away from a lot of current music and that's just because I don't listen to the radio as much and uh it, it's it's tougher for me to find time to just go ahead and seek it out uh, as opposed to back in the day when it was readily available on MTV or on the radio for me. But uh, I, I give I give total props to Lil Nas X and doing what he's doing out there and showing a new generation of queer people that they do not need to be ashamed of who they are and they can be who they are unapologetically. And that is something that we need nowadays and I, I applaud that. So even if it's not 100% for me, for me, it might be a pass. But I'm really glad that it's happening and that it's it's out there. Even if I am still a little bitter that uh, 
he took the the record for n- longest streak at number one from Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> I, I figured we couldn't go through this episode without uh, without at least giving uh, giving props to uh, Lil Nas X and his new baby Montero that is out in the world. So go stream it, go buy it, go support queer artists, uh, especially your independent ones who don't have the backing in the mainstream media like Lil Nas X has uh, found and, and made for himself. But uh, go support queer art. It's definitely uh, much needed, especially nowadays. All right. So I am going to jump into my topic now. And I think everybody here has watched at least some of it, if not uh, if, if not just the first episode. But I'm going to be talking about Q-Force. Q-Force is an American adult animated comedy series on Netflix. Uh, in April 2019, Netflix ordered 10 episodes of the series with Gabe Liebman as the showrunner, along with Sean Hayes, Todd Milner, and others as executive producers. It was released on September 2nd, 2021. There were a total of 10 episodes. They are all currently airing on Netflix. And this is uh, the story of a... I, I don't think they really list the, the agency agency, but basically like an FBI or CIA uh, agent that goes through training, is at the top of his class, and in 2011 decides that at his graduation with the repeal of don't ask, don't tell that he would just come out in his uh, valedictorian commencement speech to the shock, horror, and dismay of just about everybody in attendance, including his adopted mother figure V and the, uh, the rest of the agency to the point. So that they, actually take away his valedictorian ship i don't think that's a word but i'm making it a word right now (laughs) they turn around and say oh there was a mistake with the uh the grades he is not the valedictorian and they put uh buck buck rick buck as the valedictorian who at that point when you're watching the show basically just looks like he's dumb as a box of rocks and you know that that's not how that was supposed to go um it is <laughs> I like the show. It is filled with a lot of tropes and in I don't want to say dated humor, easy humor. Easy humor, I think is what I want to call it. A lot of the jokes really are just quick pot shots and little bits. It does build and develop over time. Um they send agent mary they so this is my first this is my first problem when buck sorry when buck says such a stupid joke but i love it i listen i thought this was the one that i hated the most because when buck is like agent mary weather more like agent mary weather i was like Fairy weather is right there. Like fairy weather would have been the way to go with it. And it would have been like, it's right there, but it wouldn't have lent itself to them all then calling him agent Mary. But it was just like, I know this is supposed to be 2011 and you know, like these are just stupid, corny, like bad, straight, gay, not bashing, but 
kind of gay bashing jokes. I'm like, this, be a little bit more clever with it. Just be a little bit more clever with it. Um, but why'd you say 2011? Yeah, the graduation was. Oh, because it's the okay. Oh, it said in 2011. Yep. Yeah, and then so that, that it jumps might explain 10 years. Then okay, again, I do remember this now because as some of you may recall, I think we were talking about one of the micros or one of the Patreon exclusive. I don't remember where we talked about it, uh, but I hated this, and I feel like it's because the humor was too easy, and it felt like if somebody in their mid thirties, maybe later, wrote this, and it's really relevant ten years ago on on um, on logo back when logo was a thing, and now it's like, what is this time capsule? of things but but you're going to change my mind on this i know you guys liked it a lot more than i did well so so the the thing about the humor is is you you're you guys are 100 right the humor especially in the the pilot episode the humor is very like like a show like this would have been i i feel like a show like this should have come out in 2011 um and and it's it's really it's it's weird. It's off putting, but not in a way that like I'm like this is terrible. I'm more in a way that this is it's cringy. There we go. It's a little bit cringy. Some of the jokes in the first episode. However, uh, when they start when you start getting to know the other characters and they start doing the rapid fire, I've literally I did more spit takes with this fucking show than I think I've done with any comedy show before because I didn't see some of those shots coming. And they hit hard, like I, 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 and a lot of them came from Twink. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, with the time jump of ten years, I think that was kind of their mindset in that first episode was for it to be more dated humor. Because I mean, obviously, this was this was uh, ordered in twenty nineteen, so they've been writing and uh, producing the animation for this over the last year and a half so you know figure probably about a year's worth of time going into writing and doing the animation and voice work for it those first jokes are meant to seem cringy and dated because that's they're trying to kind of put oh this was a decade ago and this is how cringy and and bad like you know straight people narrow-minded straight people were talking and, and the jokes that they were cracking about it and it does the humor does develop differently uh once you get past that first episode but the only thing that i think was a little weird for me was agent mary is oftentimes shirtless and he's portrayed as this like even though you know he finds a gray hair and you know gets all concerned about being older he's portrayed as this you know strapping hunk of a man and he's voiced by Sean Hayes, and all I could see is Jack McFarlane <laughs> flailing around. <laughs> okay, Sean Hayes is not a good voice actor. Like I, he's a, he's a good actor, but I because Wanda Sykes is a is a good voice actress. A lot of the other characters were good were good voice actors, but I know I've seen Sean Hayes before in another animated series, and I I don't know it just. Eh. Like I, he, I, he grew on me, but he didn't grow on me till you actually got more time with the rest of the, the squad, the, re, the with the rest of his team, he became a little bit more subdued and a, you, you, he kind of found his character found its footing. So he kind of found its footing, if that makes sense. Um, 
So, yeah, I as soon as they said Sean Hayes is like the main character, I was like, meh. I think he's not the right person for this role. I feel like it's, yeah. he, he's obviously going to be the main character because he's a, a major part of the reason why it got made. But, like, he's not Jack. If he was Jack, if he sounded like he did in Will and Grace, I think that works. But not for this character unless it's a very different version of this character, right? But for what they were trying to do, I think you're right, BJ. He's just too... He doesn't stand out. He doesn't have, like, that, like that lead actor bravado that you'd expect i think well, i don't know i think it's tough because his voice is so connected to such a notable pop culture character like jack wanda sykes doesn't really it's like it doesn't change up her voice she is wanda sykes you hear her and you go okay that's wanda sykes but as much as you can love wanda sykes she doesn't have a major pop culture role where you sit there, as soon as you hear her voice, you think of that character. You just think of Wanda Sykes. And I think that's that plays a huge role for her to be able to do voice acting like this. When you hear the voice and you just think of Jack McFarlane, you can imagine, you close your eyes and you can envision and you see Sean Hayes as Jack McFarlane in your head. So when you have him portraying somebody that's, also this much younger than him in this role as this, you know, beefy studly secret agent, man, it throws your mind off a little bit. You're like, this doesn't match up to what it's doing. You know, Lori Metcalf as V. I can still see her in Roseanne, but for some <laughs> reason that meshes with V <laughs> like, Oh, it works. It works perfect with V. It works yeah. absolutely perfect with V. Um, I, I didn't realize David Harbour was Buck, and now... You didn't? Makes, I did not know that David Harbour was Buck. And this now, is the closest we'll ever get to seeing David Harbour's dick in, you know, in our lives, probably. <laughs> and, but, like, yeah, 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 you're right. You're definitely right. That you, like, you know, Sean Hayes plays more iconic characters, and Wanda Sykes... Wanda Sykes, though, um, if any of you have watched... Um, uh, Wanda Sykes is Queen of Fables in the Harley Quinn animated series. It, like she, she, like I think maybe I'm just more familiar with all of her other voice work. But um, also, I feel like Wanda Sykes' character in this show is like some sort of embellished version of her and her wife's relationship. Oh, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Oh yeah, if she wrote some of the jokes for her character, because I feel because uh, they were they were pretty spot on. Um, and I just remembered one of the jokes that made me spit take. It was uh, Twink was trying to make Buck feel better about something. And Buck was like actually being nice to him. And Twink just goes, I'm a top that man. <laughs> I, <laughs> out of nowhere. I was, I was half paying attention and I completely did a spit take. Um, <laughs> so funny. The fact that they end up married at the end, spoiler alert, is ridiculous. Yes. And just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Stat and her demonic, uh, like, computer program girlfriend, ridiculous in all the best ways. Like, oddly. I wanted more. I wanted more of her, like, relationship with that AI more than anything because Stat was also a lovely breath of fresh air out of nowhere, just kind of this goth, like, hacker. Like, 
ev- like ran her like the way she bonded with some of the characters too like you wouldn't expect her to really like anybody um but her bonding with twink was really funny um yeah i i love the fact that her her girlfriend was a furry like her girlfriend was just straight up a furry I okay, so I missed a couple. I didn't watch a couple of episodes. Uh, we watched most of it throughout the course of the that weekend that it came out, and I might have missed two episodes and fallen asleep for part of one. Um, I didn't realize that Stat was trans. Yes, I did not. I, I that must have been one of the episodes that I missed. Um, I do love the fact that she is a Buffy enthusiast, uh, <laughs> kind of like Buffy in season five, episode twenty three of Buffy. <laughs> And and she's also voiced by a trans woman. Patty Harrison oh, is a trans woman. Sweet. Yep. So I mean, like, and a lot of a lot of the issues come from the LGBT community, LGBTQIA plus community saying that um, that it's not a positive uh, piece of representation in the media. And I think. I, I don't agree with that. You know, there is nothing in this that is a like some of the jokes might be cheap and hackney, but it's not a a bad representation of any part of the community in this overall ensemble production that is also written, produced, voice acted by predominantly all members of the LGBTQIA community. I think the issue really stemmed from the trailer that Netflix edited and put out themselves without any input from the people on the show. Yeah. Um, Because it really just um, cut the entire series down to a bunch of just derivative bottom of the barrel jokes and made it seem like that's all the series was. Um, So... There, it was just a lot of knee-jerk reactions to that trailer that came out. Which also then lends itself to the fact that the world today responds to something as simple as the trailer in that kind of fashion without actually consuming the media behind it to have a better perception of what the program is and whether or not they should have those knee-jerk reactions to the media that's being put out. Well, I, was I mean, also... I have a, I have a thing where like the first episode. Yeah, sorry, tongue twisted. I have a thing where the first episode of a show can make or break it for me, especially nowadays with streaming. Um, if it doesn't put its best material or give me a good hook in that first episode, kind of like we were talking about Why the Last Man, but also in this, I'm not gonna tune in for the second episode. So whether it's a visceral reaction to the stuff in the trailers or press or whatever which also the other thing is a lot of times press doesn't they don't get the full run of the series they're not going to watch all of it they're going to watch like the first so many episodes it it can be a problem for a series that either evolves over throughout the run or just didn't have the best representation or marketing you know what i mean and that's that's a part of the package you gotta you gotta sort of get that first episode really hook your audience and all or not uh be misconstrued in the in the jokes that you're 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 showing as you're uh as your lead. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard. And I don't know if Netflix cares as much cause they don't really need to. <laughs> they just yeah. kind of go, all right, here's more shit at people who are subscribed. I mean, they're not, this show is not going to co- convince people to subscribe to Netflix, right? To people who are watching Netflix and happen upon this 
are the ones who they're hoping for. Um, but I don't know. And it didn't come out with Pride Month, right? When did this come out? Like recently, like a month ago? Yeah, it was September like August. It was, it was September 2nd. I mean, you'd think you would like put it out with Pride Month or somewhere approaching Pride Month. Maybe they're fact figuring in uh, October for Come Out with Pride or Come Out uh, National Coming Out Month. But like, 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 sell it with other things that that like you would go, oh, I like this, so I'll like that. Uh, but I mean, we have no way of knowing how successful this program is. Netflix doesn't release their figures often, if ever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you guys seem like you really like it. I'm going to take this word of mouth and go back and revisit these episodes, but I'm also kind of still not sold. I don't know. See for, see for me, I can't, I don't judge a show by Cause pilots, pilots are terrible. Uh, they're very, I think they're pilots very, used to be. they used to be bad because literally they would take the pilot as it was. And that was your first episode, but not always firefly didn't do it that way. Um, a lot of shows, I think, kind of go, Ugh. oh, uh, Dollhouse. I think Dollhouse, the pilot, was like somewhere downstream of what they, they reordered, like that whole opening. Yeah. But um, you just can't with streaming unless you have such uh, 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 like a star quality or it's a genre show that's piggybacking off of another show or you know what I mean? Like as much as we are like maybe a little better about like pushing through. Man, people today have so many options of entertainment. If your pilot, if your first episode or your first three, if for why we think that first, like that dump, if that's not going to hook you, if that's not good and strong, you're going to lose a lot of people and it's not going to turn out as well. Uh, unless then you have like this weird moment of like newsworthiness that comes out in like the sixth episode where, oh my God, did you see this shit? It, and then that'll, you know, bring back interest. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's really tough these days. For sure. And I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that everybody needs to like this and, and you know, it, it needs to not ever get any type of criticism. I just I hate when the criticism comes from things like a trailer versus even consuming it. Like if you consume the first episode and you say, you know what, this isn't for me. I didn't like the hackney jokes. And I think it was, you know, it felt very dated. OK, like we can you know, we can sit here and tell you that's kind of the premise of the first episode and it just it gets better and it grows okay cool you know you can then make the choice whether or not you go back to it but if you're going to have that reaction to the trailer and say this is a horrible representation for the lgbtqia community um you know this is this is just horrible and all you're doing is basing that off of a trailer that that's that's not how that's not how this is supposed to work like that like give it give it a little bit more uh give it a little more more time and i mean honestly the fact that i didn't realize at first but michael shore is one of the executive producers behind the show you know with such things under his belt as the office and the good place like you have oh, wow. people that are you know names that are behind the show that are are putting it together so and and I just looked up Michael Shore because I wasn't sure if he was within the community or not, or if he was just, you know, somebody with a pedigree um, to be a part of this as a comedy. Uh, and he is not, but he is married to J.J. Philbin, who is uh, Regis Philbin's daughter, which oh, just wow. felt like this weird connection that I wanted to share. <laughs> <laughs> Does not look anything like what I expected him to either. I apparently have never Googled Michael Shore. Um I've only heard him talk on the good place, the podcast. So 
but uh yeah it's it's worth giving a chance uh it is an interesting adult cartoon it is not meant for children the penises and the boobies that go flying around at times are more than i expected uh, <laughs> at any point in time during this show but uh overall i thought it was cute it was worth it was worth a watch uh you know wanda sykes i i have been a fan of hers i know that she and uh sean hayes uh go back because of her uh appearances on will and grace back in the day in the initial run of the show when she played cricket um and then you know i love wanda sykes on the new adventures of old Christine. Like that was a fantastic run and a, a, a platform for her to be able to shine there. So, uh, you know, Laurie Metcalf, um, David Harbour. I, I don't know Matt Rogers as, as well. I know the name, you know, Las Culturistas, like all of that stuff. Um, but it, it's got, it, it's got a cast behind it. Go check it out. Give it a little bit of a shot. If it's for you. Great. If it's not, You've at least tried it. That is on Netflix. All the episodes are up there to stream now. All right. Before we hit our one-ups of the month, just another quick reminder. Go check out our website, flameonshow.com. You can check out all of our social media, our Twitch channels, our YouTube channel, where you can watch Brian's Rainbow Spotlight series. You can watch them right from the website, too. I've put a, uh, a YouTube video gallery right on the page, so you can watch them right there. Or go check out the YouTube channel and hit subscribe. That way, when new videos get posted, you'll uh, you'll get to know when you hit subscribe and you click the little bell icon. I, I'm just trying to do what those YouTubers do. Click subscribe and then click the bell icon below. <laughs> uh, you can also check out our Threadless shop, pick up your own Flame On merch, and uh, probably wear it and support your favorite podcast. Even if we're not your favorite, just lie to me. Just lie to me and tell me we are. <laughs> and then you can also check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Join at any one of the four levels that are available there and help keep uh, this show running and doing what we do so well for you and uh, get some great swag and uh, perks out of the deal while you are there. So again, check out our website, flameonshow.com and our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. All right, y'all. This is the time for us to get one-ups. Let's go back around. Brian, what is your one-up for this month? So I have uh, one-up and then something I want to talk about that's, you know, not as fun. But uh, the one-up is Harley Quinn, the animated series, the Eat, Bang, Kill Tour. And I'm holding it up on the camera, which you can't see. But I am very (laughs) excited about this issue partly because i'm very curious i have been meaning to read or sorry watch the harley quinn animated series i watched some of it at bj's house i think it was like a new year's eve party oh wow, uh, yeah it was a fun cute i i uh, reverent to say the least i i adult way more adult than i expected so <laughs> i think it's really cool that they're doing this and this it's sort of an ongoing story and that they decided dc decided we got to keep this this train going because I mean, out of BJ, is there more animated series or no? Um, so they uh, they announced they are getting a third season. Uh, I don't know when when production started or if production has started, 
but uh, I believe it was announced that they were getting a third season after they moved the show to HBO Max. Um, oh. Okay. So it is it is all up on HBO Max now, but it is uh, it tested really well, and I love it. It's absolutely hilarious, and the voice work is phenomenal. So at the end of the second season, spoilers a little bit. Uh, something big kind of happens, right? Like uh, <laughs> cities get destroyed, people get married. It's a whole thing. Does that that sound about right? Sounds about right. All right. So we don't spoil, we don't spoil it too much, but let's just say the characters in this uh, in this story, uh, uh, Eat Bang Kill Tour, are Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy, and they are featured on the front cover, uh, kissing and um, I think the term is scissoring, at <laughs> least in a clothing on, not explicit way. Anyway, uh, why I'm so excited about this beyond the stuff we've talked about is friend of the pod uh, T Franklin. Uh, from Bingo Love, I think is the most uh, notable work you're, you're probably familiar with. Uh, uh, also featured in uh, uh, Love Wins, um, the Pulse tribute comic, um, and uh, the Juke Joint, which is another book she did. Uh, lovely person. Got to sit there with her when she was on a panel and play her bodyguard slash personal advisor. <laughs> I don't know. It was a very weird, weird situation. <laughs> she got into it with somebody else in the panel. It was a whole thing. But uh, T's amazing. Uh, she's had a rough road. She's had a lot of health issues. She's a very colorful person. Uh, if you're not familiar with T from her work, you've probably heard about her on Twitter. <laughs> I think she's been both uh, canceled and uh, celebrated by differing parts of the communities. Uh, she's she's very outspoken. But queer... Uh, uh, you know, challenged as far as like physical conditions uh, and health conditions, uh, black uh, creator, writer, amazing, amazing person. Uh, love, love seeing her, miss seeing her. It shows art by Max Saren. And I don't know if Max did work on the series, but the art style looks perfect. I mean, uh, BJ, you didn't get this yet, right? No, I haven't, I haven't picked it up yet. Go get it. I really would love to hear your take. Cause you're so familiar with the show, but what I love is the fact that man, they are giving Harley and and uh and poison ivy like they're going full on they're together there's a sex scene not quite they don't it's between panels but you, you still kind of get the afterglow uh and it's not fan servicey like it's not meant for titillation as much as just you know these two people love each other got married and you know celebrating uh but yeah i'm so proud of t for doing this this is great work she's got more coming uh it is digital first so you probably may have already seen it on the digital apps but you can get it in person at your local LCS, please get it. And, uh, you know, hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, that's our one up, my one up. I do also want to just, because, you know, all of us, I think maybe, maybe BJ, I don't know. Uh, one of the longtime listeners of the show recently passed away from, uh, complications of COVID and, uh, longtime risk listener, because he's a dear friend of, of us. Uh, I want to just, you know, it, it would be inappropriate and, and in bad taste to not acknowledge, uh, the life of Brant Venomiglia, who, uh, uh, I just can't even begin to tell you uh, how much Brant uh, meant to so many people in the world. Uh, and I just want to you know, take a moment just to say, like, he not only was such a dynamic person and everyone's got their own Brant story, uh, at least one, if not multiple. I think Eric and I probably have several volumes of Brant stories, but uh, he was such an instrumental part of the Miami chapter of I'm you Alpha of the province of central Florida and Southern Southern central Florida that we were all part of, or for Fimeo Alpha. Uh, 
and, and Disney. I mean, he's been at Disney, gosh, for the last, I think, like five, ten years. I don't remember. Eric, do you remember how long he's, he was there? Like ten years? It's got to be close to that now. Yeah. I mean, just so such a magnetic personality, such an outstanding Disney cast member had just the most crazy life prior to that, uh, of which there were many ups and downs, but like just came through it all with just shining colors. And, and most recently, and I think most importantly to, to again, Eric and I, uh, uh, he, he was a critical and, and like instrumental member, no pun intended of the central Florida sounds of freedom, LGBTQ, uh, concert band and, and marching band in central Florida and Orlando. And like, you talk to anybody in that band, any of that organization, they know him, they love him. He just was such a great cheerleader for that group and did such amazing work. Uh, yeah. Brant, Brant, unfortunately had a breakthrough COVID case, got jo- Johnson and Johnson was vaccinated and back to work at Disney and um, just not, did not make it uh, through all of the attempts and trials of the you know, medical community that really tried and did everything they could for him. So I just want to give a second, you know, he's a longtime listener to the show. Love when we would put new episodes out, uh, which meant a lot to me because, you know, a lot of a lot of our friends weren't necessarily like into podcasts or listening to like us talk about shit. So, yeah, the fact that he was really into it and enjoyed it and would call me and talk about it. I mean, uh, and, you know, got to know Brant, uh, got to know Pat and I because he was our neighbor for a while uh, back when we lived down in College Park and got him through some sucky situations. And just, uh, yeah, I just have to I just have to take that moment for him. And uh, I, I, I hope you look on Facebook. If you just look, Google Brant Ventimiglia, just like Milo Ventimiglia. I think they're like cousins, maybe uh, the actor from Heroes. Lots and lots and lots. And oh, my God, so many amazing outpouring of just memories and support for him and his family. So uh, this episode is the, the, the dedicated to Brant's life and uh, all that he, everyone that he touched and mostly for the good <laughs> and not inappropriately, though. There's probably a little bit of that too. So, uh, anyway, I don't know if you guys want to talk about Brant, but I just had to do this. I had to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it, it is very sad. It's one of those things where you sit there and say, you know, oh, I'm vaccinated, I'm vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. And yes, the vaccine does do a great job in making sure that, um, you know, the chances of you getting COVID are reduced greatly. The chances of uh, it being a case where, uh, you know, it's not going to have the same impact as a um, an unvaccinated case where it won't have, you know, the, the same impacts. However, that doesn't mean that it's it's the be all and end all and a cure all for everything. There are breakthrough cases. There are cases where, uh, you know, COVID's going to kind of you know, it's going to get through and it's going to make it difficult, not just in, you know, symptoms, but in the treatment. And he was in the hospital for a while and it's, you know, we don't want to see this happen to more people that we care about. This is something that, you know, you can control or help control. And it's all about getting vaccinated yourself, wearing your mask when, when need be, when you're out and around other people, you know, just because you saw one person here and one person there, this is something that's, you know, every person that you come in contact with, you're coming into contact with everybody that they've been in contact with. So keep that in mind when you're like, Oh, I'm just hanging out with this one person today and this one person tomorrow. 
as you see them, you're seeing everybody that they've been around and you are then taking the chance on passing COVID to other people that way. So just be smart out there, people. You know, Brant was a an amazingly sweet and peppy and cheery person who went through a lot, but that color that didn't color his world in a negative light. He took all of that and grew from it and was always so cheerful and so warm when I would see him and be in, you know, he would just be around Friendsgiving or any other event or outing that he was at always, always a pleasure to be around. So he will be missed and um, just do your part and, you know, help get us the fuck out of this, wear your mask, get vaccinated and just be fucking good to other people. If there's one thing that can come out of something as, as sad and upsetting as this is just pushing people to be, kinder and nicer and more compassionate to the people around them. All right. Now moving on to our next one up. BJ, why don't you tell us what is giving you life in the month of September? Well, we, uh, we had another PlayStation showcase. Um, with all the big PlayStation 5 news, um, uh, there was recently an update release. For those of you lucky enough to be able to get a PlayStation 5, um, there's a big update released uh, that'll offer support for specific um, solid-state drives to expand your, your uh, drive space. And uh, holy crap, did they release all of the gaming information... Uh, for the showcase, uh, just a couple of the highlights. Uh, they are doing a complete remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Um, like from the ground up, they're completely remaking the game. So a lot of people are excited about that. I watched a friend play Knights of the Old Republic um, years ago, decades ago. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see that because I've heard it's like one of the best Star Wars games ever. Um, KOTOR was so important because this was back before the new star wars stuff so no one really had good star wars get novels but nothing like gaming wise that was like oh my god other than maybe like that uh jedi knights dark dark uh dark forces or whatever that was but yeah kotor as the kids call knights of the old republic and by kids i mean people slightly <laughs> younger than myself who played it originally uh it's a great game. You got to check it out. Uh, so much fun. And I, I'm excited. Like I tried to play like the, the recent, like they released it on like a steam or something. It, uh, no, it was even shittier than that. It wasn't even like on a computer. Anyway, it was bad. Like it did not hold up well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad they're doing a rebuild. Yeah. Complete, complete, complete rebuild. Um, uh, and then, uh, we got our first glimpses. We got some more glimpses of the, uh, Square bah, 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 bah. Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the Marvel game coming out. Uh, we also got a little quickie trailer for Wolverine, uh, as done by Insomniac, who are who've been doing the PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five Spider-Man games. Um, and they also released a trailer for Spider-Man Two. Um, 
So it looks like we're getting Craven and Venom for the next game, uh, as well as it looks like you'll probably be able to play as Peter and Miles Morales. So I'm very, personally, I am incredibly excited about that. Um, and then we have God of War Ragnarok uh, as the final trailer <clears throat> that was released. Um, so everybody's going nuts about that. Um, there were also a couple other games, Forspoken, uh, Ghostwire. Um, those, those two really stand out because I think those were actually uh, trailers were released at the last PlayStation Showcase. You're burying um, they, the lead on that uh, 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 what's his name game, God of War game, right? You know, you know what everyone's talking about. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of things everybody's well, talking about. Things, but I, I, I hope you're talking about uh, Thick Thor. I am, of oh, course, yeah. talking about Thick Thor because <laughs> I feel like, as much as we are not a bear podcast necessarily, uh, your immediate audience or immediate immediate hosts here are all uh, in that space. And yes, uh, the Thickums. Yes. Thickum's Thor, who looks more like Volstag, but in a in the best way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I love how his armor or his outfit straight up looks like it's from, like, a fe- it's like the female version of, like, armor. Um, where, like, his entire midsection um, is just hanging out. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm completely here for it. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, you are correct, sir. Um, <laughs> I may have buried the lead a little bit. On the uh, the God of War uh, Ragnarok game, but I'm super excited about that, um, and because I just finally started playing uh, God uh, the previous God of War game, so um, and then there was I think they're doing a, a Uncharted uh, collection release for the PS5, Death Loop, which just released. Um, they had some gameplay footage of that, um, so yeah, um, all the trailers are up. Uh, on YouTube, on PlayStation's uh, page, I will probably most likely. Uh, I know I posted the Spider-Man Two one. I will probably drop a couple more coming up here soon. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited since I still barely leave my house. So uh, video games are still my number one method of uh, killing time. There you go. I cannot wait to eventually get a PlayStation 5 and enjoy all of these uh, really pretty looking games. I had one in my Amazon cart. Like, <laughs> it was right there. I was one really? click away from buying it. And then I was like, oh, I have bills to pay. <laughs> I have not even gotten close to finding one. So I need, if the, the internet wants to help out, help some, help a brother out here. Uh, I, I specifically just want to play Fortnite in higher resolution, <laughs> which is stupid and a waste of time or waste of resources. But still, you, you don't deserve a PlayStation Five. Shut <gasps> your mouth! Shut your whore mouth! Oh, wow. Listen, I would play other games too, like Unchar- uh, Uncharted. I wouldn't play that game. That, that's garbage. Um, what's the 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 Horizon? Horizon's drag then. <laughs> right. and actually and what's funny is if you if you do get a playstation 5 i believe horizon zero dawn is free um because they have the playstation plus collection for oh, ps5 yeah. owners and there's like 30 games uh, on there including god of war um that are up there for free so 
Well, just um, saying, the internet wants to help somebody out here. Uh, you know, find me on Facebook <laughs> at Flame on Brian on all the things. <laughs> if the, the Magic PS5 becomes available legally oh. and not through some nefarious means, go oh, and on, actually, go on Twitter and there's there's accounts that track um, PS5 drops. That's how I found out that Amazon was uh, going to have them on the treasure truck, and then I got the text message like right after, like right around the same time. And that's how I ended up with one in my cart, like a click away from purchasing to the point where like, I had to refresh the page a bunch of times on Amazon. But then all of a sudden it was like in cart and then it was like choose shipping. And then it was like click to purchase. And I was like, I don't have $550 right now to spend on this. I got to go buy. And I was like, I could have bought it and then sold it and made my bills and still had some money. Seriously, that I thought about it afterwards, and I was like, damn it, I should have done it. Actually, they uh, they released a a report saying that hardly anybody has bought the uh, ones that scalpers have picked up, and scalpers are losing money rapidly right now because they're trying to sell them for like a thousand fucking dollars. Yeah. I would rather sit here and wait another six months or a year and buy one at retail and then probably at that point get a PS5 Pro because you know that Sony's going to fucking do that shit. And I get it at regu- you know at a retail price, then spend $1,000. I don't need a PlayStation that badly. And I've that's got been a PS4. The, yeah, and that's been honestly what I've been holding off of. The only other thing I would be excited about is like the Final Fantasy fourteen update in Walker comes out. And there's a, you know, whatever is going to be actually, I think maybe even the current build has got uh, some slight updates or I don't know, like the new, oh, the new, that's what it is. The new Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 16 comes out. Then we're talking, oh my God, I need this. But uh, yeah, the game so far, not compelling. Yeah, And I've, the- I've been witness to a PS something sale go really badly and people get killed. So I do not want to mess with that. Girl, we don't talk but- about Stonewall on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, they, uh, so the just just so everybody knows that scalpers are officially losing money on uh, all the PS5s they've bought up. Um, Good. So it, keep an eye out at your local trade trade and play stores uh because they said that some have been showing up there uh because they just had they to they just all they can do is recoup the money uh as best they can now because people are being patient and everybody's just taking their time and I not mean, at that point resorting. Just, sell, just sell it at the, like they can sell it to somebody if they were like hey i bought this i'll sell it to you for 500 plus tax you know like whatever the 550 like whatever the the, the taxes for your area okay cool like i'd buy it but that's because it's not fucking trying to rip me off for twice the price of a goddamn PlayStation 5. Like, yeah. if, if you were a scalper and you thought, hey, I'm going to make a, a killing off of this, and now you're losing money, well, then good. <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's pretty much what everybody's been saying. Absolutely. All right. So that was the PlayStation Showcase. Eric, what is your one-up? So my one-up is actually two movies uh, that are out on Netflix right now. They both feature female assassins. Um, The first is Gunpowder Milkshake, uh, which stars uh, Karen Gillan as um, an assassin for hire who... uh, 
her conscience gets the better of her on a job and leads to a big shootout and she's got to take down the whole organization. Uh, but has a whole great cast of uh, strong female characters, including uh, Lena Hetty, uh, Michelle Yao, Carla Guino, Angela Bassett, and Paul Giamatti's there too. Um, and the <laughs> other film is um, Kate, um, which is basically Ramona Flowers stars as John Wick in the movie Crank um, <laughs> because she's poisoned on her last assassin job and she has 24 hours to find out um, to finish her mission and uh, find out who sold her out. And um, that also stars Woody Harrelson. Um, and yeah, and they're both really good and action filled, lots of good fights and lots of gore. Netflix movies lately have been very gore heavy. Um, many stabs, many stabs, <laughs> lots of blood. <laughs> Much stabs. And if, uh, have you watched the, um, I like to watch video for Kate? I did. It was oh, very okay. fun. I haven't, I, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought I had seen like a, a title card for it on Netflix, but I haven't watched it. And I, I did not get a chance to watch, uh, Trixie and Katya talk about it. So I will have to, I will have to do so. I haven't even watched the, I didn't get to see Shang-Chi until, um, last night. So I haven't even watched the pitch meeting for it yet. I have a lot of YouTube contents for the <laughs> pop culture we are talking about to watch uh, in the next couple of days or so as uh, companion pieces to all of this. So I look forward to it. All righty. So um, my one up first is an honorable mention. Um, I apparently have joined TikTok. Uh, BJ knows this because he follows me <laughs> on the TikTok now for my no videos that I will be posting on there. But um, I, I, I signed up because Taylor Swift uh, created a TikTok account. <laughs> and I just felt the need to follow her there as well. Um, but one of the major things that came out of the, uh, the Swifty world in the last uh, day was the fact that she apparently there's this like slow-mo zoom challenge on tiktok right now and taylor decided that her song wildest dreams taylor's version that is uh in the trailer for spirit one of those animated horse movies which came out i think late last year would be a perfect addition to this challenge so she added it uh the snippet to so you could use for tiktok and then um she teased that, you know, this is cute. Might drop the whole song later. And she did. So now we have uh, Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version, as a single. And then she shocked the Swifty world by putting up a TikTok the next day that said something along the lines of, uh, when you make a date with Red in November, and then somebody mentions 1989. And it's like this whole weird like glitching of eras in uh, the Taylor verse. So there is rampant speculation that Taylor is not going to drop one re-released album, but that she may go ahead and drop the second as well and drop 1989 Taylor's version. 
um, with little to no fanfare or short fanfare, I should say, um, around the same time as Red Taylor's version uh, comes out in November. So we shall see. But in the other world of TikTok news, I have been introduced to Kopke613, this um, Thickums daddy Canadian man who uh, likes to just go <laughs> on tirades about the U.S. and ridiculous <laughs> laws that we have. And just he it, it's just a lot of really fun TikToks to watch. It's I Brian. I played uh, one of the YouTube videos, and he com- it was the YouTube video compilation of uh, stupidest laws in America, like in each American state, uh, all compiled together in like a twenty-minute video. Uh, which oddly enough, Florida, he didn't like. He was like, it was hard to find any ridiculous laws, which is probably why there's like all these crazy things that happen in Florida because there's no laws against it. Uh, the only one they found for Florida that he put in the video was that if you tie an elephant to a parking meter, you must pay for the parking meter. Um, it was something along those lines. I was like, that's ridiculous. There are other ones such as um, in California, you cannot shoot a deer from a, a speedboat. I think it was. Like there, one one of the states you can't throw a missile by hand at a school bus full of children. Like, why these things are even laws means that something happened to make this a law. Like there is a reason and there is a story behind it. Um, but he is very entertaining uh, and very easy on the eyes. And just not so long ago, posted uh, what would be the closest thing to a thirst trap that he had on his his uh on his channel and uh he is a a very attractive man who is just entertaining as hell to watch so that's kopke 613 k-o-p-k-e 613 on tiktok and on his other social medias as well i know he's on instagram and has a couple videos up on youtube as well so if you haven't checked him out before you haven't seen any of his videos do yourself a favor go check it out and uh, be entertained and maybe drool a little bit because I know I did. So with that being said, dear listeners, we thank you for joining us for this episode of Flame On. Go check us out online, flameonshow.com. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. A big thank you to our supporters and our listeners out (laughs) there who uh, are patrons. And um, yeah, we are excited for another month of pop culture. We'll be back in two weeks with another microsode. And then again in a month for another pop culture roundup. So until next time, peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.